Well, today we're going to continue our study in Jude. It's our second week. And I titled this message, Peace in Abundance. Peace in Abundance. Now, last week, we introduced Jude, began by introducing Jude, and Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. Yet, Jude didn't self-righteously proclaim that. He didn't claim his relationship with Jesus as a brother because I think that Jude understood that his authority doesn't come through that. It doesn't come through his relationship with Jesus physically. It comes through his relationship with Jesus spiritually. Just like our relationship, just like our authority comes through the spiritual relationship with Jesus. So rather than identifying himself as a brother of Christ, he said, I'm a brother of James, who also is a half-brother of Christ. But then he says the thing that is profound. He says that he is a servant of Christ Jesus. Not a brother, but a servant. In other words, he declared himself to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And that is where he gets his authority. That is where he gets his power to operate the way he needs to operate as an apostle and gives him the authority to write a letter that would be considered scripture because of his relationship to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit as a bondservant. And so Jude wrote a letter, and, and Jude wrote a letter with his purpose changed. He initially was going to write a letter, he says in the verse 3, which we're not there yet, but he was going to write it to talk about the salvation of God, and I'm sure he was going to say a bunch of great things about God's salvation, but the Lord interrupted him and said, no, no, Jude, I want you to write about something more pressing. I want you to write about false teachers and the false prophets that were going into the churches of that day, very similar to the letter of Second Peter that we've been studying about for the past few weeks. So we're going to find out that Jude is going to get really down and dirty. <laughs> He's going to really talk later in this book about what God feels, how God feels about false teaching. But before we get to that point, Jude gives us some really good, solid, comforting encouragement. So we'll talk about that. But today, before, let me just start off by saying this, that peace in the middle of the storm is possible only if one has relationship with he who is greater than a storm. Peace in the middle of the storm is possible only if one has a relationship with he who is greater than the storm. Stand with me if we re as we read our text today, if you would. Jude, chapter 1. Jude, verses 1 through 2. There is no chapter 2. Jude, this is it's a hard, awkward to say. It's Jude 1 and 2. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Verse 2, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Let's pray. Father, help us to know what that means today. Help us to glean from your word what it means to have mercy, peace, and love in abundance. I pray, Lord, that you would just open our hearts and open our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we don't really have a clear audience here as to who Jude is writing to. 
He's not writing to a particular church, uh, but we know that he's writing to believers because he says to those who have been called. To those who have been called is in a general sense because God calls all people. If God had his way, he would have all people come to a saving revelation of who Jesus Christ is. But not all people answer the call. So Jude is writing to those that have been called and to those that have answered the call that have a relationship with God. And we've said it numerous times that it's the power of choice. Our choice is so powerful that unless we choose to answer the call with an affirmative yes, then we may be called, but we're not included because of our choice. And we're going to find out why this is so important as we go through this. Because it's the power of choice. Listen, this is so important. It's the power of our choice that either enables God to work on our behalf or prevents God from doing what he wants to do in our life. God is not going to barge in and take over your life. As much as he wants you to be involved and be part of everything that's going on, God will not barge in and take over. We have to voluntarily become a bondservant to Christ just like James did, just like Jude did, just like Peter did, just like Paul did, like all the apostles. They voluntarily gave their life over to Christ so that Christ would have the authority to do the work in them that he wanted to do. Just like what Jim Beers said this morning about this little light of mine. It's not our light shining out into the world. It's the light of Christ shining out into the world. It's because we've allowed that to happen. We can put a lid on it, can't we? We can light that, we can light that little flame and put it under a bushel. Yeah, we can. But that doesn't accomplish anything, does it? So if we read again verse it says, to those who have been called, to those who have been called are loved by God, the Father, and are kept for Jesus Christ. I like the way the New King James says it. It says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. I like that terminology. Sanctification is a big word that sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? To be sanctified, it sounds like, oh, you're a real spiritual person. But you know what it really means? It means to be set apart. Very simple. You're set apart by God so that you can be preserved by Jesus. Sanctification is a process to be, of being set apart and so that we can have the preservation power of Jesus Christ work in us. And that comes through the grace of God. This is the same grace that saved us initially. But now this grace not only saved us, but it changes us from within so that we change our desires. So that our desires are no longer to please myself and to live in the world, but this grace that saved us grows within us to the point that it changes us so that we're different people. It changes our desires. 
And that's how Jude can say that he's a bondservant, because God has changed him through the grace of God. And that's how I can say I'm a servant of God. That's how you can say you're a servant of God, not in your own right, because in my own right, in your own right, we cannot please God. It's only through the grace of God that saved us, then is the grace of God that changes us, that we can be bondservants to Jesus. Amen? So what happens? What happens next? They are preserved in Jesus Christ. Once a person surrenders their life, they're preserved by Christ. And there's so much to talk about here. But let me just say this. This is where that peace comes. Our peace comes from our, through our sanctification in Jesus Christ. Our peace comes in our relationship with Christ. Now, this has been a very peaceful service today. The whole worship set, it was just a real peaceful time. Did you sense the peace of God today? Sometimes the, the worship services are a little rah-rah and fast-paced and, and, and get up and charging. Sometimes, like today, it was just very settling peace. I love that. I love the way God moves differently with us. So the major point of this message today is learning where peace comes from. And when I understand where peace comes from, then we can live in the world that Jude was describing. In a world of false teachers, in a world of false messages sent all around us, a world that is wildly spinning out of control, and we can live in that world with peace. I love that. Now, the world offers a sense of peace. The world offers its own form of peace. The world is longing for peace. Do you know that? I mean, no one likes to live in an unpeaceful state. Everybody wants peace. The world is grasping at many other sources of peace. But let me just tell you, it's impossible to have peace outside of having a relationship. Let me define that. A growing relationship with God, who's the creator of peace impossible to have peace that lasts without God. Now we know that God created the world in perfect peace and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that peace that the world is seeking does not come through a temporary place. It comes only through a growing an actively growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we look at verse 2 it says mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. What is Jude talking about? He identifies mercy, peace, and love as being something that can come to us in abundance. Not sparingly, but abundance. All three of these, mercy, love, and peace, come to us through a relationship with Christ. That's the only place they come from. And it's important that we have a growing relationship with Christ because what grows and what increases becomes dominant in our life. This is not a one-time relationship with Jesus that our peace comes from. It comes from what is maintained and protected and grown. That's where our peace comes from. It's not that I accepted Jesus when I was 12 years old and I'm 62 and I've been living my life like like a hellion, and I should have peace. 
No, peace doesn't come from once, from a one-time experience. It comes from a growing relationship, a relationship that's protected, a relationship that is um, managed well. The, King, the New King James Version says that mercy and peace comes to you in abundance and multiplied. This is from the Greek word translated from, that's, that's translated plethono, and it means to be multiplied. That's what abundance means. It means to be multiplied. And, it, and the, Ninc, the King James Version says it this way, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Be multiplied. So with that multiplying effect of mercy, love, and peace, this is what sets us apart. This is part of the sanctification process so that we can then be preserved by Christ Jesus in a world that is so seemingly anti-Christ anti-Jesus. Are you interested in that? Does that make sense? Does that tweak your interest at all? The Bible defines peace as shalom. Shalom in Hebrew. And this is far more than just an absence of war or conflict or stress. Things that we normally associate peace with. It was a common phrase that the Jewish people would greet each other with on a regular basis. Shalom, peace be with you, brother, sister. That was just the way that they would greet each other. But what this phrase really means is that this is a positive presence of harmony, of wholeness, of good purpose, well-being, and a big word called contentment in all areas of our life. It's hard sometimes to be contented, isn't it? The American dream says, get more. Gain more. More power, more money, more authority. And with that comes a lack of shalom. With that comes a lack of God's peace because we're driving for more. And I'm not saying having more is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if it becomes our motivation, if it becomes our heart, then you have a hard time. You'll struggle with peace. Because we always want more. As I just said earlier, that God created a world in a state of peace. And after God created the world and everything in it, when he was finished creating it, Genesis 131 says that God looked over all he had made and he said that it was what? Very good. Not just good, but very good. Now, the word shalom isn't mentioned here, but can't you just see that's what God is saying? Is that God was at peace with what he created? It was perfect. God was peaceful with it. It's exactly, God, it's exactly what God meant when he said it was very good. So God designed the world to live in a state of peace. Yet we know the story. Adam and Eve chose instead to choose evil over God. And when that happened, peace was broken. Peace was broken between man and God, between husband and wife, and between man and nature. All of a sudden, what God had created to be peaceful, there was stress and strife. And it wasn't good. It wasn't that way. It wasn't the way God had originally created it. But thank God that he had a plan through Jesus Christ to reestablish the peace between everything that was broken. 
So for us today, we have the opportunity to live in a state of mind of peace, no matter what is happening around us, that we can have a sense of well-being, we can have a sense of safety that doesn't come from our surroundings, but it comes from a greater source. It comes from a source of relationship with the creator of peace. God the Father, who created all things perfectly, peacefully, we can have a relationship with him that gives us peace no matter how badly we were broken before. That's good news, folks. That's good news. That's the gospel of peace. The psalmist understood it this way. Psalms 4, verse 8, it says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Isn't it great to have a good night's rest? You can lie down in peace, knowing that I have a relationship with God, knowing that he's my source. When I know that my source of peace comes from God and not from the circumstances of life, it's really special. And that's unique to a believer's life because a person in the world won't get it. They don't have that kind of peace. Paul describes this source of peace coming from having a right relationship with God. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right, hear me, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus did for us. Peace comes into the life of a man because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. Now, I have to choose Jesus, but Jesus is a source. And that describes the abundant mercy part of what Jude is talking about as well, because mercy also is in abundance. Mercy is in abundance. Thank God mercy is in abundance. Because when one speaks of mercy, grace is is always to follow because they work hand in hand. God's mercy and God's grace are together. They always come together to accomplish what God wants to do. Because mercy, mercy can be described as God keeping us from the consequences and judgment we deserve. That's mercy. God keeping us from the consequences and judgment we deserve. Where grace can be described as God granting us favor and benefits we don't deserve. We deserve judgment, but God's mercy says, no, I've already covered it. And God's grace then gives us the benefits that we don't deserve. It's a great trade, guys. There's, there's, a, there's no downside on this. The world can't say that we're copping out. No, we're copping in. <laughs> I mean, we're gaining here big time from this. And this is not a boring existence. This is a life-giving existence. This is, a, this is an existence of peace because this is where our peace comes from. So when you combine the facts of mercy and grace, we find that God is pay, has, has paid out our debt. Jesus Christ has paid our debt on the cross through his sacrifice so that we can have the benefits of God's grace that changes us to want to please him. It's so good. And Jude describes this mercy to be multiplied in our lives. And this is where God's grace then helps us change, 
that helps us want to have a desire that pleases him, that we put away our old self. We're a new creation now. The old is, go, the old is, is gone and a new has come, and we're now created in Christ with a new sense of who I want to please. I don't want to please me anymore. I want to please him. And that's great news. And that's the story of shalom as spoken through the Bible. That's where the peace comes from. Peace is the continuing theme of why Jesus was to come to a broken world and he was going to restore the peace that God had originally intended, but man gave away. We gave up peace. It wasn't taken from us. We gave it away. But thank God that he sent Jesus to be the peace giver again. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness and of his government and peace, there will be no end. Amen. That was prophesied. And there's many other Old Testament uh, writers that talked about that to come and I don't want to take the time to go through all those but when Jesus was born then and the new covenant began and then Luke describes it this way Luke chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 it says suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests he was prophesied to bring peace and then he brought peace Again, God is faithful. God always provides what he promises. But listen, though. The fact still remains that, if, that Jesus came to offer peace, but that doesn't mean that everyone has peace. That's where our responsibility comes in to receive it. Our Bible commentary says it this way. Knowing that Christ came as the Prince of Peace does not automatically bring peace to our lives. Experiencing peace with God requires that we be united with Christ through faith. This belief is more than an intellectual agreement. It is an active trust by which we accept Christ's sacrifice for sin and surrenders our life to Christ's leadership. That is a growing relationship with Christ. Not, just, not that we just know who he is, but we act on it. We surrender our life to him, but then we say, come in and lead me, Jesus. And that takes me back to what I said at the beginning. Peace in the middle of the storm is possible only if one has relationship with he who is greater than the storm. Because storms come to us, don't they? We live in a life of storms. Sometimes they come by our own doing. Sometimes they come just because we live in a broken world. Sometimes they come to test us. Sometimes God, sometimes God brings the storms. And I can say it in confidence knowing that he brings the storms so that he teaches me how to get through the storms. If God brings a storm in my life, he doesn't do it ever to destroy me. He does it to make me stronger. You know, when Jesus set out the disciples on the boat across the sea and Jesus stayed behind and prayed, you don't think Jesus knew the storm was coming? 
You don't think he knew the guys were going to get in the middle of the lake and a big storm was going to come up and they were going to panic? You don't think Jesus knew that? He knew it, and he still sent them out so he could walk on the water, so he could say, peace, be still, and he could prove to them that he is greater than the storm. And when I have relationship with that kind of a person, when I have relationship with that kind of a God, then I can live in confidence knowing that my God is greater than the storm that he allows me to go through. And he's doing it for a reason. I need to protect that relationship. I need to protect that relationship because just as in the days of Jude, we live in the days of today where the false teaching out here is doing everything we can, everything it can to weaken our trust in God. It's doing everything it can to get our eyes off of God. The Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, which we've been speaking of here, which is alive and well today, and it's going to get stronger as we get closer to the end times, as Jim alluded to as well, it's only going to get stronger, and his goal is to destroy my peace. His goal is to destroy my relationship with the peace giver. So I need to be careful. I need to protect my relationship with he who is greater than the storm. And I do that by constantly seeking my, giving myself of God. I, can, I do this by protecting myself. I do this by being in charge of my life. You know, as we talked before about we can take control of our life through our nutrition, through our vitamins, through things of that nature. Nobody can do that for me. I have to do it myself. I have to protect my relationship with God for myself. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for my wife. I can't do it for my children. I pray for them, but I pray, God, will you give them the strength? Holy Spirit, I, I pray, I intercede that you would have the authority, Holy Spirit, to move into my family's life to protect it. But they have to do it for themselves. So how do we do this? 2 Timothy 2.22, it gives us some really good instructions. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Jim, you were right on today. That word about how we need to be together. We encourage each other. We build each other up. We, it's our fellowship that comes through church, through a, a relationship with, other, with like-minded believers. We protect ourselves and we pursue peace. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, For the scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. <laughs> There's some really good advice there. Verse 11, Turn away from evil and do good. Here it is. Search for peace and work to maintain it. You mean I have a responsibility in my peace? Yes, I do. Yes, God is the giver, but I have a responsibility to live a life that keeps me in relationship with the peace giver. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. It doesn't make sense, guys, just common sense-wise. It doesn't make sense. If I'm living to please my own desires that I know are against Christ, 
How in the world can I have peace with him? Think about it. If I'm willingly living a life that is not God-pleasing, then how can I go to God and say, God, give me peace? God's faithful to restore peace in the midst of the storm as we do everything we can to maintain our relationship with him. There is an if here. <laughs> there is an if. If I do what God asked me to do, he will be my peace giver. But if I decide to walk out on my own, then I'm on my own. You know what? Peter had to get out on the right side of the boat. If Peter would have got off on the other side of the boat, he would have sunk. But when he, see Je- when he saw Jesus walking on the water, Peter got on the side of the boat that Jesus was on. And he walked on the water until he saw the waves, and then he panicked. But if he would have gotten on the other side thinking, God, I can walk in the water by myself. I don't need you, Jesus, to walk in the water. What would have happened? Do you think he ever would have taken one successful step? Probably not. So why should we? Why should I be able to take a successful step on the seas of my storm if I'm not trusting Jesus as my Savior? If I'm living life the way I want to live, thinking that God is going to be all merciful to me because I'm something special, good luck with that. But God's faithful. He's faithful to restore peace in the midst of the storm if we do all that we can to keep our hearts focused on him and then let him handle calming the storm. Then give him the authority to do it. And you know something? His timing is always perfect. You may be thinking, God, when is the storm going to end? When am I going to get through this, God? When are you going to finally deliver me from it? Now, let me just tell you that his timing is always perfect. He knows exactly when it's time to relieve you of the storm. But in the meantime, be faithful. In the meantime, pursue that relationship with him. Don't give up. Don't turn the other way. Because his timing is always perfect. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about them. I mean, put your mind to the good things that God wants you to put your mind to. In verse 9, whatever you have learned or heard or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. That means we have a responsibility to put things into practice. We have to do what we have to do to maintain the peace. We have to do what we have to do to maintain the relationship. Then finally he says, and the God of peace, the God of what? The God of turmoil, the God of questions, the God of doubt, the God of uncertainty, the God of no hope. No hope. And the God of peace will be with you. So now I want to ask you a question. And I want to ask you a hard question. Do you have peace?
Jackie, would you come? What gives you peace? Where are you searching for peace? Do you gain your peace from the things in our lives that we can see and feel? Now, this is, I'm going to get real here because this is where the rubber meets the road, guys. I get it. I struggle with this area. Does my peace come from my bank account? Does my peace come because I have a nice house? Does my peace come because I can make my house payment? Does, I, does my peace come because I have good health? Does my peace come because those I love have good health? Does my peace come because I have good family relationships? Are these the things that bring me peace? Now they bring me a form of happiness. I get that. They bring me a form of peace. But what happens when these things begin to disappear? What happens when I lose a job? What happens when somebody gets sick? Where's my peace? I told you this was going to be hard. Because it's easy to be peaceful when my life is in order. It's easy to say, be peaceful. Shalom. But when my life falls out of order, where's my peace? Jesus says some things to us that might help us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says, these are Jesus' words. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you don't know where your peace comes from, this is a good indicator. Where's your treasure? If you can define where your treasure is, you'll know where your heart is. I told you this is hard. But we need to, we need to understand this. We need to go through this. We need to understand, we need to ask ourselves the questions. Where am I storing my treasure? Is it here? Or am I laying it ahead to generosity? Can you see why I have been battling with Joshua, Yadakula, my little friend in India? I have so much. I'm peaceful. Where's my trust? Where's my faith? Where does my peace come from? Jesus continues in that same chapter of verse of chapter six of Matthew, beginning at verse twenty-five, and then skipping to thirty-two. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse thirty two, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, he knows our needs. 
Let me speak for myself. I confuse my needs with my wants a lot. Maybe you do too. The Father knows you need them. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's where my peace comes from. Let me say this. That's where my peace should come from. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its, of its own. Can I encourage us this morning that our peace that lasts only comes through our eternal relationship with God because that's the only relationship that will last. My bank account won't last. Can't take it with you, so they say. So let's stop looking around at the craziness of this world and expect to get peace from that. This world will not give us peace. There's nothing in this world that will give us peace. Might offer it, might offer a sense of it, but it's not lasting peace. We need to set our eyes on Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, that verse is really interesting. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. You mean things can hinder me that aren't sinful? Absolutely. My peace in my bank account can hinder me, though it's not sinful. My peace, because I'm healthy, can hinder me, though it's not sinful. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the mars, the race marked out for us. We don't like perseverance. We want it right now. I don't want to have to think about later. I want it right now, God. I don't want to have to persevere through this. Just answer me. Just give me the question. Just give me what I want. Come on. Isn't that American way? Isn't that what we think? And when we don't get it, we panic. Where's our peace? Here's where our peace is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's he doing there? He's making intercession for you and me today. He's being my peace giver. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. (laughs) What an amazing father. What an amazing God that we have. That he gave his son to give it all so we could have peace. So let me ask you this morning, for you here and for those that may be listening, do you want peace? Do you want peace? Maybe you're struggling with this. Well, you can have peace, but it doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from anything the world offers. It only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ, a growing 
relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a relationship that you had yesterday, but a relationship that you have today. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're forgiven. It means you've repented. It means you take the mistakes of yesterday and you put them under the blood of Jesus one more time and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I repent of my sin. And please, God, let your grace increase in me so that I don't go back and repeat that thing that I failed in yesterday. Please, grace, change me. Give me a new desire. Give me a new heart. Give me a heart that wants to please you. That's what mercy is. That's what grace is that in abundance. Multiplied grace and mercy says, God, I don't want to do anything that would displease you ever again. That's a growing relationship with Christ. And when I have that, I have peace in the storm because I have a relationship with he who is greater than the storm. Close your eyes with me if you would, please. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. So thankful that you're the peace giver. So thankful that you are the creator of peace. Lord, many times I've walked away from you. I haven't done evil things necessarily. But I've walked away from you because I didn't trust you, because I didn't listen to you, because I committed the sin of omission. I heard your voice, but I didn't do what you said. I heard your voice to pray, to give, but I was too fearful because I didn't trust you as my provider. Please forgive me, Jesus. Please forgive me. Help me to know that my source truly is you and you alone. And help me be, to be, give me this, the, the, the power, the strength, the courage to step out of the boat as Peter did toward you, not away from you. On the right side of the boat, help me to keep my eyes focused on you, the author and perfecter of my faith. this morning if you prayed that prayer with me you have great peace but if you couldn't pray that prayer with me you can maybe you're not here today maybe you're online but I pray that you would call me call somebody call a believer know that God loves you but he wants you to step out and to receive him so that you can be not just the called, but the receiver of the called because you're the answered of the called. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jackie and Tom, would you lead us in that song that you're playing, please? When he's like a river
Father, I am so overwhelmed right now knowing that it is well with my soul. That you've nailed it on the cross. That my sin no longer comes back to haunt me. That I am free from my past. I am free from anything that has hindered me or the sin that so easily entangled me. And I'm running with perseverance the race marked out for my keeping my eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I praise your name, and I thank you for giving me that wellness of my soul. Thank you for peace that endures, that endures all the chaos of this world. Lord, thank you for preserving us. Thank you, God, for your blessings. 
I thank you for the nice house. I thank you for this bank account. I thank you, God, but I pray that that never becomes my source, that my source would always be in you. I pray, Father, that you protect my heart and protect the heart of this church, that that's where their source would be as well. I pray blessings upon us today as we go to our homes. And I pray, Father, that we would keep you on the center point of our life, that we would keep you on the throne of our life throughout this day and forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed today. Be blessed. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine all the time. I'm going to let it shine. Don't hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine all the time. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine all the time. This is light of mine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine all the time. Let it shine, let it shine all the time.